And the people said, yes. You want a double portion today, don't you? Yes. Now, you all know, now I'm going to say it one more time. You all know that everything in the Old Covenant is a shadow of what you and I have in Christ Jesus. Paul the Apostle said in Romans, he said, these are written, everything is written in the Old for our learning. In other words, we look at it and we say, all right, Lord, it's there because I am walking in that substance. And when the Lord talks about an Elijah walking with an Elisha, it's not just a historical something. It has substance to it that I can walk in. You're all hearing this, aren't you? And you, dear precious people who have attended churches for many years that did not teach you the word, know this, that all this that is in the Bible is for you. You can walk in it daily. It's not something that happened to Moses and doesn't affect you. Or it happened to Elisha, or it happened to Jonah, and some oh, interesting little chapter. No. You know why people don't read the Bible? Because they say, well, it doesn't apply to me. But when you see it does apply to you, you're going to read it. Because it's going to help you with a daily, daily experience with God. And so this is why on Sunday mornings, I like to show you things in the Word to create an interest in you to see more in the Word. When I show you an Elijah and Elisha and why they did this and how and what, it's going to create a hunger in you to say, hey, let me see what more is in there that can apply to my life. But I promise you this, in OCC, you will get Holy Ghost meals every Sunday. And by the time I'm done with you, you're going to be ready to meet Jesus face to face. And you realize when you meet the Lord face to face, I will be required to give an answer for your state. That's what Paul said. He said, I, the ministers, are the ones going to stand before God and give an account for what they've done with the people of God. So if a preacher stands and gives you nothing, he's going to be judged for it. That's why I take this thing very seriously that I give you the word of the living God. And most Christians, let's be honest, most Christians don't know the Bible have never read the Bible as it should be read. Oh, they may have skipped through it here and there. But not really. They really don't know the Word. That's why it's our job to give it to you. So I'm doing your homework for you. So take a pen and paper and write it. Okay. The story of Elijah and Elisha is really simple. Elijah is a type of Jesus in the Bible. And Elisha is a type of the believer. And when you look at Elisha, you see yourself. He walked with Elijah. You and I walk with the Lord. And Elijah led him to certain places before he gave him his mantle, before he received a double portion anointing on his life. And you all remember now, we've been in this for the last few weeks, and if you were not here, please get the tape, it would help you greatly. But in 2 Kings 2, verse 1, he brought him to Gilgal. Say Gilgal. Yeah. Now will you all look at me please as you write Gilgal. Gilgal, again, is the place in the Bible, and again, you have to look through the word to see what Gilgal means, but in Joshua 5, Gilgal is the place that Joshua brought Israel to after they crossed the desert, and it was at Gilgal where the manna ceased. It was at Gilgal the fire of God left. It was at Gilgal the cloud of glory left. Gilgal, then, is the place of religion without power. They came to Gilgal after they crossed the wilderness and now end up in a very comfortable situation. There's no Amalekites, there's no giants, there's no war anymore. It's kind of a place of relaxation now. Let's enjoy this thing. Forty years and forty 
um, I should say, 40 long years, they fought every enemy on the way. They had to trust God for manna and trust Him to lead them. And now they show up and they say, okay, now I'm here. I can do it on my own. And they ate the old corn of the land, not depending on the manna fresh from heaven daily. So Gilgal then is the place you and I come to in the Lord where you kind of don't need the power of God any, anymore. And many Christians seem to like that position and, con and condition. Well, I don't. I will not exist without the power of God. So, so you know the power that brought you out of Egypt, but now you're in Gilgal saying, well, I, I was thankful the power was there when I came out of Egypt because there I needed the power. Here, I'm not sure I do. Well, that's religion. That's religion without the power of God. There's no cloud, no fire, no manna. And God leads you to Gilgal to see if you'll stay there. Sadly, many have chosen to stay in Gilgal. But if you stay in Gilgal, you'll never get your double portion anointing. I want the double portion anointing. Amen. Say a big amen. amen. Then Elijah took him to uh, Bethel. In Bethel, the Bible declares, was the place where great decisions are made. How, how you know Bethel is the place of decisions? Well, Genesis 28, Bethel was the place where Jacob made his decision for God. And Saul made his decision for God. Jacob made his decision to serve God, but Saul in 2 Samuel 15 made his decision not to serve God. So it is the place of decisions in the Bible. And you and I will face a Bethel experience where we will make a decision whether we're going to follow him all the way or not. We're going to surrender or not. So we go from Gilgal to Bethel, from religion to surrender. Thank God you precious people have left religion. How many are glad you did? Say, I'm glad. But there's a lot of folks who've stayed in the religion thing that they got into. Man, after people get saved, they seem to settle into some dead spot. Get out of there! God doesn't save you to kill you. They get behind some crazy something and they think, well, this is Christianity and all it is is dead stuff. Nobody wants that. But Bethel is the place you, 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 you're going to decide, Lord, I'm going all the way. And then, of course, you face Jericho after that. And he led him from there to Jericho. And all this is found in 2 Kings 2. You can go home and read the thing for yourself. And if you were here, well, you know where we're going anyways. If you were not, get the tape. He took him to Jericho. And Jericho is the place of warfare in the Bible. The place of what? Warfare. So you go from religion to surrender to warfare if you're going to follow God. And now in Jericho, the war erupts in Jericho. This is where Joshua fought the battle and the walls came crumbling down. This is where Jesus fought the temptations of Satan in Jericho. Forty days and nights he was tempted in Jericho. So Jericho is the place of warfare. You're going to face devils in Jericho. But after Jericho you get to Jordan. And that's where you get your double portion anointing. How many are glad you're getting there? Many of you right now are in Jericho. I'd say 98% of you are in Jericho. You're fighting a warfare right now in your life. But when the war erupts, no, you're almost at Jordan. Say, come on, say it again. Warfare surrounds the birth of a miracle. So every time war erupts, you're about there to get your miracle. And now when you get to Jordan, God gives you spiritual sight. Because Jordan is the place of vision. It's there John the Baptist saw the Holy Ghost come as a dove. It's there that Elisha saw the fiery chariots come from heaven. So, so Jordan speaks of vision, supernatural sight. And now he, 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 he begins to walk into a double anointing 
as Elijah gives him his mantle. And the first thing that happens, you all recall now, we're only going through things we've gone through already. I'm doing this for the sake of the many who are not here. The first thing that happens after he receives his double portion is the Bible declares he becomes a mighty force against sin. Elisha faces a situation now in Jericho. He's back in Jericho and he, he finds that the waters are poisoned. Now this, of course, is in 2 Kings. Look at it real quick, will you? This is in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 18 where it talks about him coming to the waters of Jericho there and finding they were poisoned. And the Bible says he took a cruise. Let me just read it to you. And he said in verse 20, verse 20, 2 Kings 2.20. And he said, bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. And now he cast it in verse 21. And the salt into the water and said, these waters are healed. Thus says the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. All right, let me have your eyes please one more time. When the double portion and anointing comes on you, let's get you back in the picture. How many have gone through Gilgal? Wave at me. How many have gone through Bethel? How many have gone through Jericho or may maybe there? Okay, still. But how many are about to get to Jordan? Okay, when you get to Jordan, first thing's going to happen to you. And remember now, tonight I'm going to anoint you with oil and you better grab that anointing. You grasp the double anointing. At Jordan, and let me, let me just say with humility, I've been to Jordan. I wouldn't be in the ministry if I haven't, have not been to Jordan. Frankly, all ministries begin in Jordan. That's where God gives it to you. Where did Jesus begin his ministry? Sure, Jordan, the Holy Ghost came, came on him as he was where? All ministries begin where? You're about to begin. And now, the first thing God will do with you is what? He'll make you a neutralizing force. You'll neutralize sin. Elisha neutralized the curse in that water by throwing salt in it. And salt is a neutralizing power. Salt will preserve. Salt will neutralize. Salt will stop. All right? Second thing he did is he was going to Bethel, and little children began mocking him and saying, Go up, you bold man. Go up, you bold man. And he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And many Christians have trouble with this portion of God's word. But it's not there so we can laugh at this thing. The Bible declares the reason he cursed them is because they were mocking the power of God, not his bald head. They said, go up, go up. They were mocking the translation of Elijah the prophet to heaven. Bethel at that time was the location of idol worship. Amazingly, Bethel began as the house of God with Jacob, but ends up as the house of idols when Elijah was alive. Bethel was in Samaria, and there was a lot of idol worship there. And the children, are you all listening? And the children had heard from their parents about Elijah's translation to heaven and began mocking it, and so Elijah now brought death on them. And now let me say it one more time. You and I, after God gives us a double portion anointing, will have... Hear this, we'll have power within our mouth to call life and to call death. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, will you? Now, I'm going to show you some things in the Word which we, we already have, but because I'm closing on this teaching today, I've got to show you everything 
clearly, crystal clear, so no one misunderstands anything here. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14 says clearly that within us is the power to make alive and to kill. Now, of course, it doesn't mean you go kill people. But there's a power in you that will literally bring judgment on those who mock the kingdom of God. Now, thanks be unto God, verse 14, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor. Say savor. The word savor is the Greek osmo, which means oda, the oda. The savor of his knowledge by us in every place. So the word of God in you and me is a savor. The word of God in you and me is like an oda. But it goes on to say, verse 15, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. In other words, this knowledge within us is sweet unto God. But now look at verse 16. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. In other words, those who are saved will bring more life to them by our experience and our impartation of life and so on and so forth. Yet to others we can bring death. So the life of God in you will bring life to some and kill others. You're all listening? Now, saints, look at me please, so no one understands, especially you precious folks watching on television. We're not teaching anything unscriptural here. This is all in the Bible. Those who mocked God from Genesis to Revelation were stopped, some by death. Let me take you to Genesis and show you. Now don't turn. For time's sake, I'll give you the stories and you go home and read them for yourself. Abraham goes down to Egypt, tells his wife, don't say you're my wife, say you're my sister. You all remember the story? And now the king of Egypt looks at Sarah and says, hmm, nice lady. God appears to him at night and says, you touch her, you die. He says, you go, now I'm basically paraphrasing here. He says, you go to Abraham and ask his forgiveness and he'll, he'll pray for you. Had he touched Sarah, he would have been killed. In Exodus, Ahan, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Korah faced Moses and opposed him. He dropped dead and the earth swallowed him and his 250. You all listening? Joshua is faced by Ahan and Ahan is stoned to death. Saul faces Samuel and disobeys and Samuel says, you've been rejected by God and the man is killed in a battle. You're all listening, aren't you? See, David before his death said to Solomon, don't let the man go down to his, to his grave without blood. In other words, kill all those who opposed me. Solomon killed every person who opposed his father. God spoke it into being. Elijah prophesied the death of Jezebel and Jehu killed her. All through the, through, you say, well, that's old. Well, let me show you some new stuff. New Testament. First, Acts 5. 
Peter says, how dare you lie to the Holy Ghost, Ananias? Man drops dead. Actually, something worse than death is what Jesus said to the Jews one day. He said, you can talk against me, I'll forgive you. You've just talked about the, about the Holy Ghost. There's no, for, for, there's no forgiveness for you. That's worse than death. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing? So, so it's all through the word. If they oppose you, you have power in you to stop them. Power enough to stop them. Now, the church will admit has lost that power. We, didn't, we don't even have power to stop headaches. But thank God the power is coming. Yes. Thank God it's coming on you. Yes. Say, I'm ready to get it. Yes. See, the church of Jesus walked in great power, pastors. So great was the power on Peter. He could speak death on Ananias and Sapphira. So great was the power on Peter. His shadow would heal the sick. So great was the power on John. They couldn't kill him. You go read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a fantastic book. Any, anybody has read it? How many have not? Buy it. I've read that book twice. It'll change your life. In Fox's Book of Martyrs, he talks about the saints, how they were killed. They boiled John in oil and could not kill him. Encyclopedia Britannica describes Paul's death. I, now, those things aren't in the Bible, so we can't back them up with the word. But they surely seem to follow a lot of the examples of the Bible. Paul, in Rome, they could not kill Paul in Rome. Couldn't kill him. And when, when they did, rather than blood, milk came out of his veins. He had no blood in his body, none. Total white. It seems that blood cells must have changed into white cells or something and yet remains alive. They couldn't kill him. Some of the saints were totally indestructible. And those kinds of saints, brother, would speak words of death on people, left and right. They could not kill Peter. Herod tried, and the angels slew him for touching Peter. Are you all listening here? That's the double portion anointing. Remember what the Jews said? When they were about to stop the, the apostles, they sent them all out and they said, Hey, let's not fight the apostles. We may be fighting God in this thing. You can't win fighting, fighting God. Many have tried to stop me over the years. But you know what? There's one verse in Scripture. If it's God, you can't stop it. If it's not, God's going to fall by itself. If God is not in it, it's going to collapse by itself. So when some new ministry arises on the scene and you think, Oh, I don't think that's God. That's not your business. If it's not God, it's not going to last. If it is God, it's going to last without you and with a million like you're opposing it. Be careful, you won't be find, found fighting God Almighty Himself. Are you all listening here? And, and, and servants of God are not all, uh, you know, normal people. None of you are normal here. Look at somebody and say, you're very unique. Look at me, say, say, say all, all of you, say, there's power in me, power in to, me. Speak life and death. to speak life and death. There really is. You see, you'll speak life to the believer, 2 Corinthians 2 says, but you'll speak death on the wicked who will try to oppose you. Now, you don't go around saying you're going to die to everybody. Because <laughs> God is not, God won't do a thing about that. You're all hearing this? But if they oppose what? The anointing. If they oppose what? 
If they oppose what? In other words, if they begin fighting God, then it's over. And all of us are unique. I am very unique. I know that. I do things and say things nobody does. But I don't do like I told early service. I'm nothing like Amy Sample McPherson who used to come on the platform with a motorcycle. <laughs> did you know that? This great, how many did not know that? Greatest evangelist of her day, Amy Sample McPherson, used to come on the platform, James, Angeles Temple in Los Angeles, on the platform with a motorcycle, Bill. You think you're, you think you're wild. And here's exactly how she would begin her service. Do you want to know how she began her service? How many would like to know how she began the service? Every service she'd begin like this. She'd come on with her. Vroom, vroom, vroom. She'd come off the platform and she'd say, You're all going to hell. That's how she began the service. How many are glad I don't do that? <laughs> Isn't God good? Yes. Well, the third miracle, let's just go through this thing. The, the third miracle, saints, that he performed through his life. Oh, I tell you, I just feel something is about to break loose in this house. How many feel the anointing of God just flowing here? He spoke life into a wilderness in 2 Kings, where the Bible says the wilderness was filled with water. That's 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15 and on. The fourth miracle, now let's go through them fast because I gave you a lot of this stuff last week. The fourth miracle is where in 2 Kings 4, the oil stayed in verse 6. The woman was set free from her bondage by the oil within her. Say after me, all I need for my deliverance is inside of me. Say it. All I need for my deliverance is inside of me. So the first miracle, he became a great neutralizing force. The second miracle, his words became so powerful. They had life and death in them. The third miracle, he brought life into the wilderness as God will use you to bring life into the lives of those living in famine. And fourthly, I'm, thinking, I'm talking here spiritual famine. Fourthly, the Bible declares that he looked at a lady who said, I'm in bondage. I am bound and my sons are about to be bondmen. And he said, lady, what do you have in your house? And she said, I have a pot of oil. He said, that's all you need for your deliverance. Double portion people can release their anointing out of individuals who don't think they have a thing in them. God can use you to lay hands on folks and release the anointing that's already inside of their heart. Somebody say amen. amen. Then the fifth miracle, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 28 and 29, where now we see a marvelous, oh, hallelujah. This is the woman who lost her son who died. You all remember the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 16, where he prophesied that the Shunammite woman would, would have a boy, and the boy now dies. But something happens. All right, let's look at it, please. Verse 28. Then she said, Did I desire a son, O my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Now Elisha had prophesied she would have a boy, and she did, and now the boy is dead. Then he said to, to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again. Now would you please look at me here? This is a fantastic miracle. Now all those things will happen in your life. You'll be a neutralizing force. Your words will be powerful. 
God will use you literally in fantastic ways. But this is incredible. He says this to him. He says, now, Gehazi, the lady, I prophesied that she would have a boy. She did. Now he's dead. Take my staff. Go late on her. Uh, go late on him. But he said, on the way, don't talk to nobody. Saints, the double portion anointing is lost with distraction. You want to keep it? Don't be distracted from what God has you doing. He said to Gehazi, take my staff. Take what's on my life. Lay it on the, on the boy. But on the way, don't talk to nobody. Jesus did the same thing in Luke 4, verse 10. Uh, Luke 10, verse 4, I'm sorry. Where he sent the 70. He said, go in my name. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. On the way, don't talk to nobody. Why? The double portion and winning bill can be lost if we're distracted by other things. I tell people all the time before a healing service, don't tell me anything that's happening. I don't want to know anything about anything. Don't talk to me about anything negative. I have my heart on the service and that's all I want to know about. Because if you're distracted, you can lose what the anointing of God that, that's on you will do. Are you all listening? So here, he, he comes then later. If you look please at verse 33, 34. He went, into, he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain. This is he and the little boy who's dead. And prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child. And put his mouth upon his mouth. And his eyes upon his eyes. His, head, his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child. And the flesh of the child waxed warm. And now in verse 35 he begins to sneeze. And he is resurrected. What is that? Look at me, please. The double portion anointing of God on you will literally surge resurrection power inside of you. That you can literally transfer that resurrection part to others. Think about this. Think about this. Elisha was so anointed by God, he could transfer his resurrection, the resurrection life of God in him, onto someone else. Do you know something? The anointing will linger on you if you're doubly anointed. Because when Elisha died, his bones raised the dead. The anointing lingers. Okay, let's quickly keep going. Now, the sixth miracle is 2 Kings 4 and verse 38, where at Gilgal, Elisha the prophet brought healing to the food that they were eating at Gilgal. Because the prophets go to Gilgal and now they say there's poison in the food they're eating. The pottage was poisoned. This is verse 38. And Elisha came again to Gilgal and there was a dearth in the, in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servants, set on the great pot. And now you see later here in verse 40. So they poured out for the men to eat. And it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot. Saints, will you all look at me please? This is extremely important. Hear this? At Gilgal, there is deadly food. You know what Gilgal is, don't you? What is Gilgal? Religion with no power. Where you find religion with no power, you'll find deadly meals. Now, here's something exciting. Elisha, the double portion man, was able to rescue them from deadly food. Do you know what that means? That means you can go back to, to the Gilgal you came out of and rescue friends you've had over there. 
Do you know that your old friends are eating deadly poisonous food? How many understand that? But the double portion on you can rescue them. Elisha said, all right, there's deadly food. And he fixed it. God healed it. Think about it. How many of you know friends you've had, or you may still have, who are still attending the church you came out of that almost killed you? Wave at me. When the double portion hits you, you can go back and rescue them from death. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. All right. Second Kings, five, uh, Second Kings 4, verse 42. Elisha multiplies food. Did you know he did that just like Jesus did? The Bible says, And there came a man from Baal Shalisha, and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. And his servitor said, What should I set this before a hundred men? He said again, Give the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and shall leave thereof. And they did. He multiplied food. Sir, the seventh thing that will happen in your life is you will have the power to speak abundance. The double portion anointing will cause you to speak abundance. Then 2 Kings 5 and verse 14, Naaman the leper is healed and cleansed. And not to take any time to read the whole chapter, but you all know the story of Naaman the leper who came from Syria for his miracle and Elisha said, wash in the Jordan seven times. And when he, he did, he was healed. Why? What is that all about? Oh, how I wish I had the time to tell you, but the Holy Ghost won't let me go on with this teaching. He has something fresh next Sunday morning. But hear this. You will have the power to speak the word of healing. How many of you would love to see where well, the power of God is so strong on you? You'll say, go your way, you're healed. Yeah. When someone comes and says, pray for my mother, you'll speak the word and God heal that mother who lives in Chicago and you're in Orlando, Florida. Say hallelujah. That's what happened here. Elisha didn't even come up, come out and lay hands on him. He said, just go wash. Just go wash. The man washed and was made whole. The ninth glorious miracle, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 5. And the sons, let me read verse 1, all right? The sons of the prophet said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. Let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. Now, they said, We, we got to have a bigger place. Look what happens now. Fred, would you read for me verse 5? And on, but I will stop and interrupt you and explain. This is very, very important. Go ahead, Fred, please. Verse 5. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. All right, stop right there, please. Look, this is very important, people. The axe head represents the anointing. What does that represent? How many of you know people who lost the anointing? If the double portion is on you... You can help them regain it. In Gilgal, you can rescue them. You can speak the word of healing. I'm giving you one by one things here. But now, Elisha had the power to rescue the anointing that someone lost. The axe head speaks of the anointing. Many people have lost the axe head into the waters of worldliness. Many have lost their ex-head 
into the swamps of indifference. Look up here, will you? Here they are cutting trees. See, this is all symbolic. You gotta understand, all of it has to apply. Here's the man cutting a tree, and the axe head falls into the water. Now, what does it do if the fella keeps doing this to the tree? It's gonna be a very noisy individual. No power, no trees falling. He's gonna be left with what? Bruised hands and wounded trees. Sir, you can't face a demonic world with the handle. You gotta have the axe of God's power. Are you hearing this? A lot of people are facing demons with the handle that lacks the axe. That's the problem today. A lot of Christians you know and I know, all they have is the handle making a lot of noise, trying to cut trees down with a handle. It don't work. But look what happened here. Elisha helped the man get back the anointing. Go ahead, Fred. And the last master for it was borrowed. Reread verse 5, please, because in it, you may have family members who lost the anointing. God is going to help them through you gain it back. Okay, verse 5, one more time. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Keep reading, Fred. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. Stop right there. First thing God will use you to do, he will use you to bring them back to the place they lost it. If you want to regain the anointing, go back to the place you lost it. Where did you lose it? Did you lose it when you quit praying? Did you lose, lose it when you quit going to church? Did you lose it when you quit reading the Bible? Did, when did you lose it? Did you lose it when you sinned? Go back to that position and repent so you'll get it back. Did you leave your calling? Maybe that's why you lost it. The anointing is lost when you leave the place God has you in. So he took him back. What else, Fred? And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Now the second thing we saw, by the way, is he admits it was borrowed. You will never get the anointing back till you admit it does not belong to you, but it's not, it, it, it belongs to God. In other words, to you belongs the glory, Lord, not to me. The anointing on my life means nothing more, Lord, than it is for your glory. So first, I'll go back and see what I lost. And number two, Lord, I admit it's your power, not me. Number three, he was willing to go back. He was willing to go back. The Bible declares he was willing to go back and acknowledge it was not his. And the Bible goes on to say he began to depend on divine ability, divine power. Brother, the only way out of your mess is through a miracle. And the Bible said, Elijah helped him get it back. Glory to God forever. My, my, my. Quickly, the tenth miracle. Cheryl, get back on the, get on the organ, please, for I'm through. The tenth miracle is 2 Kings 6, verse 15. Where now Gehazi is allowed to see the angels. Look at me, please. This is fantastic. The Syrians show up. They surround the mountains. And now Gehazi says, look, the enemy is here. And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes, for more are they who are on our side than those who are against us. And new sight is given, so he saw the angels.
the double portion anointing will open your eyes and give you new sight. How many want new sight? 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, 16, 17. New sight, the tenth result of the double portion. Verse 18, the double portion anointing will blind Satan. Oh, that ought to cause you to shout. How many want to see the devil blinded? Elisha said, and when they came down to him, verse 18, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. The enemy was smitten with blindness. The double portion anointing will smite demons with blindness. And twelfth and last, 2 Kings 7, verse 1 and on, the double portion anointing spoke prosperity and spoke the transfer of wealth from the hands of the enemy into the hands of the righteous. You ought to go home and read all these glorious chapters. I gave you the headlines. I didn't have time for the details this morning. I think it's time you go get it yourself. Say amen. amen. Won't you lift your hands up high and say, Father God, Father God anoint, me anoint me with a double portion anointing and make me a neutralizing force. Give my mouth words of life and death. Father God, let the double portion, power of the Holy Ghost, bring life through me to the wilderness. Father God, let the power of the Holy Ghost on me release men and women from bondage. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost on me release resurrection power. Father God, let the power of God on me rescue men and women from Gilgal. Let the power of God on me Speak abundance. Speak abundance. Let the power of God on me. Speak the word of healing. Let the mighty power of God on me. Restore the anointing on others. Let the mighty power of God on me. In the name of Jesus. Bring new sight to the blind. Let the power of God on me blind the enemy. Let the power of God on me bring prosperity to the saints all around me. In Jesus' name.